Hi, we are Inspired Churches and we are honored for you to tune in. We are a church that is being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and walking in rhythms of life for the good of the city and for the glory of God. As we walk into a new year, we invite you to be part of the ministry by donating a gift today. Go ahead and visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good morning, Inspired Church. Good morning, good morning. It's great to see you. If this is your first time or maybe you've been here, my name is Philip Muella. I'm the lead pastor of Inspired Church. And Monday through Saturday, they call this the Crown Plaza, but on Sunday, we call it the House of God. Amen. And so uh, we are gathering to worship King Jesus this morning. And I hope you came ready to hear a word because I came ready to give a word. Amen. But before we do that, I just want to tell you last Tuesday in Dublin, California, five of us gathered around a table. We ate a meal and we talked about Jesus. And we discussed how life can be so overwhelming that we fail to prioritize his presence. But the beautiful thing about being in a small group, we were able to repent and be honest. Because when the, the, how many of you know when the group gets larger, we either get quieter or get faker? And so in a small group, we were able to be honest and we were able to repent and we were able to say, you know what, this week, here's what we want to do different. Because there's grace in the kingdom of God, amen? And I was so excited to get the report that not just us five in Dublin, but over 73 people last week met in homes. That's beautiful. 73 people. And we have homes everywhere. We have a home on the island of Alameda. We have homes all the way out in Mountain House. So if you live out there, you ain't got no excuse. Don't get it. We got homes on different days and different times, and I just hope that if you missed last week and the Lord's been speaking to you, that you would determine this week uh, to find a place, find a home, and, and instead of being in what we call uh, uh, um, rows, you can gather in circles, amen? Yeah. Amen. Well, I just want to say this. Um, I am a big fan of television, and I know I probably shouldn't say that. That might look unholy as a pastor, but I'm going to be honest and vulnerable with you today. I'm a fan of Netflix, and I love watching a good movie. And, and uh, when you think about actors, right, I just think about actors, and I think, man, there's, there's so, there are sometimes I have so much admiration for good acting. And there are sometimes where I roll my eyes because I'm like, man, you are just acting. Like at the end of the day, you are walking away from your part, and you're not even that person. Right? And so when you really think about it, acting is pretending. In fact, in the Greek, an actor in the theater was called a hupokresis. And in the Greek, hupokresis reminds you of what we have in the English word hypocrite. And we see it all the time on TV and movies and at theaters, men and women performing on stage compelling us to believe, convincing us to invest our emotions in what ends up being at the end of the day just a part, just a role, just a, a, an act, a fake, a phony, a fraud. That's not really who they are. It's just hypocrisy in its most basic definition. Are you with me? So today, while at the table, 
Jesus is going to encounter and confront religious hypocrisy. So pay attention, especially those of you who are here today who regularly engage in church activity. Amen? Like if you're here today and you like regularly attend church, you regularly give money to church, and you regularly serve and go to small groups, I want to say God bless you. That's incredible. But this word is especially for you today. Are you, re- are you, are you with me? Because the sinfulness of the human heart can tend toward religious hypocrisy, especially among those who look to be more religious and devout than the rest. And all the sinners said amen. amen. Like this is the time for all you folk who don't normally go to church. You're like, mm-hmm, get them. <laughs> amen. I got your back this morning. Now, if you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, we'll also have it for you here on the screens. You can open up your Bible apps as well. Luke 11, we're going to read verses 37 through 54. It's going to be a long story, so I hope you're in for the ride. Before I read that story, I want to give you some context. We're in a sermon series that we have simply titled The Table. And we are observing all the table scenes in the book of Luke. All the places that Jesus gathered around a table with friends, with sinners and tax collectors and crooks and thieves and cons, with Pharisees, with frenemies. Amen. All the places that Jesus gathered around the table and we're looking at the impact that Christ had on those who were at the table with him. And we're hoping that at the table, two things would happen. That number one, you would be invited to Christ's table. That at the end of today's message, we are going to take of the elements, the body and the, the cup, the blood and the bread. That you all are invited to the table of Christ. But we also ask that maybe that impact that Christ has made in your life will allow you to open your home to invite others around your table for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. So before we dive into Luke 11, let me give you a little picture of what's been going on, some context. Jesus had just spent a full morning of preaching and teaching to a crowd that was growing, increasing in number. Jesus' popularity was growing. In fact, a demon-possessed man who had been a mute as a result of being possessed by a demon had come to Jesus, and Jesus had casted the demon out. And his divine authority was on display, and all the crowds began to marvel at Jesus' authority, except for the religious elite Instead of marveling at his teaching and his authority, the religious elite, they questioned Jesus. They tested Jesus. And some even accused Jesus of being in partnership with Satan. Mm -hmm. And so, with that in mind, one Pharisee decides to invite Jesus over for lunch. Better be careful when you invite Jesus over for lunch. Amen. Luke 11. 37 through 54. How y'all doing? Amen. Let's, Let's read this story together. The scripture reads like this. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. 
the Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Verse 39, and the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools. Man, Jesus, you did not hold any punches. He says in verse 40, you fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, teacher, in saying these things, you insult us too. And he said, woe to you, lawyers also. For you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witness, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of whom they will kill and persecute. Verse 50, so the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against, against this generation from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves and you hindered those who were entering as he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. If you didn't know why they killed Jesus, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. This is a story about an awkward meal. You ever had an awkward meal? <laughs> okay, it's only two. God bless the rest of you. Right? I mean, two things you don't talk about at the table. What is it? Religion and politics. And Jesus was like, nope, we're going to do that. It's a story that features a hypocrite host inviting a confrontational guest over for a meal. And so I've entitled today's message, Hypocrite Hosts. And we're simply going to do our best today to observe three sections of this long story. Three sections of this long story. So just so you can get an idea of where we're going. We're going to observe the invitation. We're going to observe the confrontation. And a lot of you like that because y'all are nosy. You're going to get to be the fly on the wall. You know what I mean? Like you're going to get to drink the tea today. Okay. Man, tough crowd. The invitation, the confrontation, and finally the condemnation. And I want to appreciate Pastor Roger who's pouring into my creativity all the time when it comes to these points. 
And we're just going to observe these points, and we're just going to let them land today. Like, I don't, there's some points I don't even have application for. I just want them to just to sit and settle in your heart. So we're just going to pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the text and do what he does best this morning. Amen? Amen. So let's talk about the invitation in verse 37. A religious leader called a Pharisee. In fact, the word Pharisee means separate, set apart. Holy men who separated themselves from all the unholiness and uncleanliness. A religious leader called a Pharisee invited Jesus over for a meal. Oh, that sounds so nice. Thank you. But his intention was not to befriend Jesus. It was to try and test Jesus. And to trick and trip him up so that the Pharisees might find a reason to discredit Jesus' ministry. He was becoming too popular. He threatened their power. And so the truth is, this wasn't an act of hospitality at all. It was an act of hostility disguised as hospitality. Y'all with me? And, and, and that's sort of how hypocrisy works. Amen? Uh, things are not always what they seem when it comes to hypocrites and hypocrisy. You see, because behind this friendly invite and, and perhaps a home-cooked meal were hidden motives. Amen? Agendas to plot to scheme, to trip and trap Jesus behind the smile and come over for lunch was an agenda, was a heart to destroy, a scheme to plot and plan, to trick and trip Jesus. Are you with me this morning? And we move from the invitation to the confrontation in verses 38 through 41. It's amazing because it didn't take long for their motives to be exposed. It didn't take long because the text tells us that the Pharisees were astonished when they saw that Jesus didn't wash his hands before he ate. Now, let me clarify a little bit because some of you are like, ooh. Some of you are like, does that make me a hypocrite? Like, you better wash your hands before you eat, right? Let, let me clarify. This was not about regular hygiene. What the Pharisees were astonished about was, was that Jesus did not participate in their ceremonial hand washing. Are you with me? It, it was a ritual that the Pharisees observed. And they had expected all pious Jews to observe in order, them for, in order for them to be considered morally clean before they began to eat food. Are you with me? And this washing, this hand washing, was so rigorous and rigid. Let me give you a couple of examples. Some rabbis were so strict that they not only paused to ritualistically wash before a meal, but they paused to wash in between each course. So the beans came, and they washed. Then the rice came, and they washed. Are you with me? Then the carne asada came and they washed. I don't know. Some of y'all got whatever you came from, just replace your meal. And some of you eat a lot of meals, a lot of courses. Some of you rich folk, like, like love to go to your restaurants and love to go to little places. They just keep bringing it. And imagine between every course, you had to stop and rigorously wash ceremonially. Now, you thought that was intense. 
other rabbis were so strict that they equated not washing in this way with fornication. Now you know why they were astonished. That's what they thought when Jesus didn't did it. Whoa. Like they equated not washing before the meal as committing the sin of fornication. It's next level intensity. This explains why the text describes these hypocrite hosts as being astonished. Are you with me? Do you understand why they were astonished? They were shocked. They were surprised. They were grasping, gasping with contempt while their confrontational guest knew exactly what he was doing. He was poking the bear on purpose to expose their hypocrisy. I struggled to find like a, a modern day example. It probably isn't that tough. And some of you are probably like, really, bro? But I don't know. I just almost thought it'd be like, you know, this, this pastor that you just really held in high regard. And you invited him to home. You served the meal. And they didn't pray before they ate. Oh, my, <laughs> oh my gosh. Now, it's nothing like that. It's so much bigger than that. But you get the point. And, yes, you should pray before you eat. That's a great thing. But it'd be like, oh, my gosh, this holy man didn't pray. Some of you in here, if that happened, you'd probably be second guessing whether they were really who they said to be. Are you with me? Jesus, though, <laughs> he was poking the bear on purpose. He didn't wash on purpose. Why? Because in doing that, he allowed hypocrisy, the hidden agenda, to come up to the light. Y'all see that? Because in hypocrisy, things aren't always what they appear. And so Jesus says, well, let me just, let me just stir it up a little bit. I love it. The tables had turned. Jesus is incredible. Like, if you would just read the Gospels and just think, man, that, he is. Like, they were trying to get him. They were trying to trip him up. And he found a way to flip the script on them. That just means he, he turned it around on them. Yeah, amen. And so when Jesus saw that they were visibly disturbed, <laughs> he said, now's my time to teach them something. Here's the point. When he saw that they were visually disturbed, he used the cup, the illustration. Of the cup. I like to think that he actually grabbed the cup. Maybe he didn't. Scripture doesn't say that. I might be adding on. But I mean, how much cool, you know, grab the cup. You know, y'all ever clean cups at your house? Right? My poor wife, when I clean the cup, it's just the outside. <laughs> She's like, really? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we're rushing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Okay, maybe I'm the only one like that, right? <laughs> Hypocrite cleaners, that's what we're going to name this sermon, right? Like some of y'all, like your kids, Roger, some of your kids clean, and you like go to pour some coffee, and you're like, right? But wives, you ain't off the hook. Sometimes there's lipstick on there. Okay, okay, getting back into it, getting back into it. But this was the point when Jesus saw them visually, visually disturbed. He said, now's my time. To prove this point, to drive it home. And so he uses the illustration of a cup that is cleaned on the outside, but filthy on the inside. And he confronted them, are you ready? For being more concerned about the show than about the heart. Think about it. Hypocrite host, hypocrisy, religious hypocrisy. Things are not always what they seem. And people tend to be more concerned about the show than about the heart. 
Right? This, this is the essence of hypocrisy. And this is what Jesus intended to expose. They had become experts. Are you ready? They had become experts at performing, pretending, hiding the true conditions of their wayward and wicked hearts. I want you to get a, get, just, just let that sit here for a minute. Hypocrite hosts, religious hypocrisy. Things are not always what they seem. There's more concern about the show than about the heart. You're an expert at performing, pretending, and hiding the true nature, the true condition of the wayward and wicked hearts. And this is why some people leave churches. They go to small groups and nobody is honest. Home groups, facilitators, your job is to create a safe space for honesty. And you know how you do that? You go first. Pastors and leaders, you go first. Philip, you go first. Roger, you go first. Catherine, you go first. Elders, you go first. Leaders, you go first. You set the tone because if the leader can be honest, if the leader can be real, then we're not setting people up for phony and fake Christianity because it's not easy. It's difficult. And even the person that you think is always on fire is really not. And the problem is, is when we fake and phony Christianity, you sell people a load of garbage. A load of garbage. And then when that person is struggling, when that person feels disconnected and distanced, they think, man, I'm the only one. It's a lie. Be honest about your failures, leaders. You know what's so fascinating? The Pharisees think that Jesus is unclean. And he's the cleanest human being that's ever walked this planet. Like he is the stainless, spotless lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. And they got something looking at him while he ain't clean. Okay, let me get off my soapbox. Veins are popping. Their religion was purely external. <laughs> they like to embellish. They, they like to expand. They, they like to exaggerate all so that they could have an appearance of righteousness. Come on. And all of those who have ever like rolled your eyes at churchy people, y'all should be amening me right now. Like this is your time. This is the... Amen. Put them on blast. Okay. How we doing my time? Oh, we didn't even start the time. Praise God, I got another 30 minutes. <laughs> yes, thanks, Kat. <laughs> I'm going, okay, let me move on, let me move on, let me move on. I got to eat, I got to eat. Okay, I got you. No game today, right? <laughs> Kidding, okay. So we move from the invitation, which exposes hypocrisy. We move to the confrontation, which confronts hypocrisy. And then we move into the condemnation, the judgment against religious hypocrisy. Y'all okay? Praise God. Now, there's a really weird word in this text. It's woe. I know woe has all kinds of different meanings in this room. And I'm not going to try to define them all. But let's talk about what woe means in this text. You see, in exposing and confronting religious hypocrisy, Jesus pronounces six woes. Woes. 
So what, <laughs> I have all kinds of thoughts about this. What is a woe? A woe in scripture is an intense expression of divine judgment, especially against grievous wickedness. It's, it's not just the proclamation of judgment, but it's the fury behind it. Like to say woe in the scripture is to pronounce divine condemnation against a grievous wickedness. Are you with me? Now, I want you to just think about this. In this house, gathered around a table is a Jesus that many of us are probably not familiar with. Amen? You know, he, he's, a, he's a little lamb, right? A passive lamb. No, 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 no. Don't mistake his gentleness or his kindness for a weakness. There's no pacifism in Jesus. Are you with me? In this moment, our loving Savior is harsh, direct, and confrontational as he calls out and condemns the many expressions of religious hypocrisy displayed by the Pharisees and experts of the law. Are you with me? And let me just, this is really important for me to point out here about Jesus. I want you to think about all the evil he encounters. Think about all the sin and sinners he encounters. I mean, we've talked about crooks. We've talked about con men. Like he sat around the table with prostitutes, drunkards. In fact, they, they called him a drunkard. Think about it. And not only that, but legions of demons have confronted Jesus. Like he just got done, he just got done casting out a demon from the pit of hell. Like think about all the evil and the sin that Jesus confronts. Now think about this. Jesus reserves his sharpest criticism and his strongest condemnation for those so-called spiritual leaders of Israel. Out of all the people that Jesus can critique and condemn sharply, he says, woe to the religious hypocrites. I don't know if you get that. It blows my mind. Around the table with Jesus. These, these were not like ordinary Israelites. <laughs> they, you know, they just work nine to five. They attend the synagogue. They do their best to keep the Mosaic law. No, 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 no. You know who was at this table with Jesus? Pastors. Oh, you don't hear me. You don't hear me. Theologians. Scholars in the scriptures were at this table with Jesus. Clergy, priests. These were the people that the Israelites deemed to be the most holiest people. I don't know, man. These were, these were men who were supposed to represent God. Let that sit. Jesus wasn't sitting around the table with a bunch of demoniacs and sinners. He was sitting around the table with a bunch of pastors. 
and he reserves his harshest condemnation for their religious hypocrisy. And can I just share a thought? I need to speak to somebody in here today. Just, just hear me out. There's, there are a few people in this room today. You're, you don't consider yourself a church person. And I don't know why you came today. I don't know. Maybe the Lord's doing something different. Maybe Inspired Church has got a different feel. Maybe you, a family member. There are some of you in here today right now. Not a lot. But you just don't consider yourself a church person. This is something that I just want you to hear. If you despise religious hypocrisy, if you can't stand fake members and phony pastors, if you've been burned or abused by the so-called church, you are in good company. If you despise religious hypocrisy, if you can't stand fake members and phony pastors, if you've been burned or abused by the so-called church, you are in good company. And another thing, that is not a good reason to run from Jesus. That is a good reason to run to Jesus. Why would I say that? Because when it comes to religious hypocrisy, there was nobody who criticized it more, nor will there ever be anyone who was, made, who was made more disgusted by it than Jesus Christ himself. And later on in Revelation, he'll say that it makes him sick to his stomach. Causes him to vomit. Please, please, please understand this. If you despise religious hypocrisy, then you are in good company. I love this. This is a word for me because I struggle with the approval of people. Some of you know me like, really? You do? <laughs> no problem saying things directly. And yes, but I do, internally, there is a battle. Jesus did not need the approval of man. He had his father's approval. You get that? Like all of us would be sitting in the table like, I ain't going to say it. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus is like, no, I'm coming in your house. I'm going to eat your meal. And then I'm going to tell you what's up. I'm going to drink your Kool-Aid. I'm going to tell you what flavor it is. Tastes like hypocrisy. It smells like hypocrisy. What flavor is that? Hypocrite? All right, okay, I'm done with that one. I was trying to stretch that one out as long as I could. <laughs> so while he was invited to their house and at their table, he had no problems calling out and condemning. And I, I'm just going to kind of put it, it's a list. Six characteristics of religious hypocrisy, okay? This kind of all falls under the umbrella of hypocrisy, but specifically six characteristics of religious hypocrisy displayed by these so-called spiritual leaders of Israel. Y'all are doing really good, and I'm aware of the time. You ready? He gives three woes to the Pharisees, three woes. Let me try to explain each one, and I'm going to give you a lot of my commentary on this, okay? So you're going to get the word and then my commentary. 
But number one, he says this to the Pharisees. He says, you give, you give, you give. But your giving is devoid of justice, mercy, compassion, and love. Listen, religious hypocrisy completely misses the heart of generosity. Jesus called the Pharisees out for reducing the heart of God to an offering plate. And a tithing envelope. And they were very meticulous, okay? They gave 10% of everything. All their income, herb, root, spice, everything, 10%, 10%. Like, the Pharisees were rigid about the rules, right? And so everything that they earned, okay, we got to sit 10% of that, 10% of that, they gave it. And Jesus is saying, you're so meticulous about the details of the performance, but you're, you're missing the heart of God. And so you reduce generosity to an offering plate and a tithing envelope. And you have failed to be compassionate, loving, just. You have failed to love like and look like God. It's like coming to church and praising Jesus and paying your tithes and then walking out of here and posting filth on Facebook and Instagram and being unloving, unkind, rude to your waiter and waitress. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is totally random and it's coming to my head right now. Forgive me. But I used to serve at Chili's. <laughs> Right down the street. I was a chili head. That's what they called us. And we used to complain because church folks were the worst. They'd come in like 50 deep, order, reorder, complain. It's not hot enough. Leave a mess. And the tip was nil. <laughs> now, I'm not, listen, tip at your own conviction here, okay? I'm just saying, like, what? You just got done praising the Lord and you leave this place and you just, all of that just dissipates. There's no impact. No impact. You know, and, and I just, the way they demonstrated a petty righteousness. Just petty. Petty multiple was petty about my, my I got to tithe. I got I to do, but they were really petty about the show, but careless about anything else. Can you imagine the horror on the host's face at that day? <laughs> they're like, Jesus, what? <laughs> but, but, there, but there's more. I bet you they wanted to kick him out of the house, right? Like, Lee, get out of my house. Don't talk to me like that. But there's, I guess they're glutton for punishment. They're just still there. But there's more. There's more. Jesus goes on to say the second, well, you use your spiritual authority to point people back to yourself. I can't tell you how many pastors and leaders that I know that I've been around, including the temptation in my own life where the temptation is not to point them to Jesus, but to point them to me. Wow. Your gift, your ability, your charisma, using all of that to win the crowd over for your own encouragement, your own ego. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Am I the only one? 
You, he, he tells them, you pursue popularity, publicity, power, privilege. Religious hypocrisy appears to be serving God, but it's really using God to stroke its own ego. And I just want you to know, it's not just the American church that has fallen for Christian celebrity, which is what I'm calling this second part. But it's been happening since the time of Christ. They want to sit in the best seats. They want to be greeted in the marketplaces. They want an Instagram following. And we're suckers for that. We love celebrity, don't we? Come on, let's be real. We love celebrity. We love reading, watching, liking, reposting. We like good look, huh? We like the right clothes, the right vibe. Some of you, the, the, the Christian leaders you follow, it's not even for their content. It's because they're so cool. Because if you were to just listen to your, it's amazing to me. You go to a gospel-centered church and some of the stuff that we repost and listen to prosperity gospel it's 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 ridiculous it's corrupt but it's because the guy's kind of cool or she's really pretty y'all don't hear me though this kind of religious hypocrisy has been around since the time of christ now if their jaws weren't dropping at the table by now it now it's certainly happening but there's more jesus compared the pharisees to unmarked graves now, it's kind of weird that people like accidentally step on. Of course, if it's unmarked, you're not going to see it. Actually, during religious festivals, a lot of people would come to the city. So they would actually go and repaint the graves. Because according to the Mosaic law, if you were to step on a grave, you would become unclean. So they would actually repaint and touch it all up. So nobody would unknowingly step on a grave, become unclean, and enter into the house of God filthy. Are you with me? And so the implication here is that the influence and the teaching of the Pharisees, the religious hypocrisy, was like a toxin, like a deadly toxin, a contamination, that anybody who aligned with the Pharisees, anyone who would hear and listen and receive their message would actually become intoxicated with that poison, and it would be like a disease. And so what do you have in religious hypocrisy? You have pettiness, you have celebrity, and you have toxicity. You have the contamination of the message that's spreading out that is nothing but hypocrisy. Are you with me? Now, at this point, the experts of the law, they were called lawyers or scribes. They partnered with the Pharisees. They were like, wait a minute, you're talking about us too. I'm like, y'all should have kept quiet. They're like, hey, wait a minute, Jesus, you insult us too. I'm like, oh my gosh, just be quiet. And Jesus says, well, I got a little something for you as well. Are you with me? To those who teach the law. These, were teach, these weren't lawyers in the way that you think lawyers. These were people who looked at the Mosaic law and they, they pulled it apart and they were, they were trying to teach it and make it relevant to the people. So people were looking. These were the teachers. What I'm doing right now, this is what people would come to listen to the, to the scribes, make the word of God relevant. The first thing Jesus says to them, you know what you do? You add to God's word. You add. You, you pile on to God's word, your own human traditions, your rituals, your obligations, your requirements, and your rules. This is what legalism does. Legalism, legalism. You might have heard this. 
Legalism is in addition to, I'm adding on top of the law of God. This is God's law, and then we're going to put a hedge and a fence around it, right? We don't want to break the law, so we're going to do all these other things to keep us from breaking that law. So we're stretching the law. We're speaking in places God didn't speak. We're saying things God didn't say. And it's out of fear and control. We're not trusting the Holy Spirit. So we make our own laws and we hedge a fence. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been hurt by this. What does legalism do? It overwhelms people, amen? It crushes people under unrealistic pressure. Parents, we struggle with this, don't we? Parents, yes. And, you know, I just want to speak to some parents. You got saved really early on, and you were really zealous, and you loved Jesus, and you, and you just didn't do it on purpose, but just legalism came in, and some of us, are, our kids are still struggling. It's crushing and some of you, you've been hurt by legalism. Some of you parents, you've been hurt by it. Are you with me? Has anybody ever been shamed in church? Has the preacher ever called you out on stage? Have you ever been told that your dress is too short? Your hair is too long? Spit your gum out. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had it measured before? I've heard this story. Have you ever been shamed for your sin and made to feel so guilty that there's no forgiveness for you? Y'all don't hear me. So we move from legalism. You guys are doing great. And I promise this today is just a longer text. We're almost finished. Stick with me. Then we move to, he tells the scribe something interesting. He says, the monuments that you've built, right? He, he says, that you've built memorials to dead prophets. He says, the mon monuments you've built to honor those prophets. And these were prophets in the Old Testament that were killed. You know that, right? They were persecuted. They were killed by other Israelites because they were speaking the bold word of God. He, he, Jesus says, you build monuments to them, and you think that the monuments that you build make you, that make you look like you align with them. But what you don't know about the prophets is they spoke about me. They spoke God's word, and I am the living word. And here you are trying to plot and kill me. You're two-faced. You're a liar. You're a hypocrite. Because you build monuments saying that you align with the prophets. But if they were here, you would be trying to kill them too, just like your forefathers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Wow. Can I say something about human nature? It's so interesting. Everyone loves a prophet until, I'm sorry, everyone loves a prophet when they're dead. It's like Martin Luther King Jr., some of you ain't going to like this. That's okay. That's okay. Let that hypocrisy come out a little bit. It's like Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, we love Martin Luther King Jr. We love him. What a great man. But when he was alive, hate, some of us would have hated him. Let's be honest. Yeah. You see, when a man is alive, he can speak the truth. He's dangerous. And call us out but when he's dead we can celebrate him 
without worrying about him condemning us. This dinner has gone nuclear. <laughs> this is this lunch is this is they're not inviting him over. <laughs> finally, finally, last one. You guys have done great. You are supposed to teach God law, God's law, but instead you twist the text. You distort God's word. You weaponize the scripture in order to glorify yourself and manipulate the people. You with me? You distort the text. You weaponize the scripture so that you can glorify yourself and manipulate God's people. Can I just say just some quick advice here? You can't always depend on your pastor to feed you. It's okay to say, man, I won't get offended. Y'all with me? You can't always depend on your pastor to feed you. Like there's a lot of you in here that you have to learn to self-feed to. We're really overly dependent on like this person on stage and it's scary sometimes. So there's a lot of power here. Which is why Jesus reserves his greatest condemnation for those that are up here spewing things incorrectly. I'm under a greater judgment as a teacher and a pastor. But you really need to self-feed. You see, because if you're not pursuing your own personal rhythms of reading the word... Like, right, right. If, if you're not just prioritizing just growing in, the, in your understanding of the text, then you're just susceptible. You're susceptible to all of the heretics and false teachings and wolves that are out there. Everyone that's out there just wants money. All the scammers. Please don't order Miracle Spring water. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I went to Israel and got this water. And if you just put it somewhere, you know, it, you're going to be healed. And all you got to do is send in 55.95, right? Like, okay, I got to keep going. So here, we're finished. Here we are. Here we're at the finish line. Can I be honest with you? That's my note right here. <laughs> can, can I be honest with you? Um, This was religion without God. This is what religion without Jesus looks like. Religion's not a bad thing. But when religion is without Jesus, it becomes a show. It's all external rituals. Y'all know what I'm, some of you know what I'm talking about. You've gone through the rituals, right? It's all these external things. It's like mindless ritual. Even the best, whatever, activities are just heavy burdens of ritual 
when Jesus is not in the mix. How y'all doing? And you know what else is something about when you practice religion without Christ at the center, it's tiring. It's exhausting. It's tiring. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And can I just say this? If you practice a brand of religion without Jesus at the center, there's only one or two things that can happen. Number one, it'll crush you. It'll crush you. What do I mean by that? You will collapse under the weight of trying to impress. <laughs> you will put more effort into waking up early, putting on clothes, to look a particular way, to play a particular part, than to actually really understanding what it means to gather on Sunday. There are so many people here that if you just got a revelation of what it meant to gather on Sunday, showing up wouldn't be so hard. But it's performative, it's showy. I gotta do it for this guy and this person. You'll collapse <laughs> under the weight of trying to impress perform, pretend. You'll do all the outer activities, right? I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta serve on a team, I gotta give money, I gotta, I gotta check box, check box. Are you with me? But you'll do it in an effort to try to get God's attention. When you already have. Like you're trying to earn something that's already been given to you. Like slow down. Jesus on the cross, when he died, he gave you forgiveness freely. Like, why are you trying to run a, like, like a hamster on a wheel? To slow down. Understand, Jesus, this is for you. It'll crush you. It'll kill you. It'll all become a checkbox. Amen? Anybody go? I'm there sometimes. Anybody else? Can, can we be honest? It, it'll become a chore. How y'all doing? It'll become a heavy weight, a burden that just ends up in shame. <laughs> it's just, it's a cycle of shame. Anybody caught in that right now? Right? Like, I got to do, do, perform, perform, and then I fail. Shame. Like, I got to do, 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 perform, perform, and fail. Shame. And each time, the burden gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And what it's doing is pushing you further and further away. Like, what if you just thought, you know what? Jesus did the work. Jesus never failed. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was righteous. Jesus was sinless. And on the cross, Jesus took the punishment and the condemnation and the pain and the guilt and the shame. And on the cross, though I fall, though I fail, though I stumble and trip, Jesus has given to me his perfect robes of righteousness. And so instead of falling into shame, instead of falling into pain, instead of falling into guilt, we fall in love with Jesus. And then we're motivated not by religion but by love and that's when you know that you found religion with Jesus when you're motivated by love that's the gospel and if you don't have the gospel religion will kill you it will crush you you'll want nothing to do with it Please stand.
Thank you for staying with me a little extra longer this morning. I'm just going to ask that you would stretch it out a little bit more because in a moment, we're going to take the communion. And one of the things that we've determined to do throughout this series that we've called The Table is to make sure that we end every message with the invitation Christ makes for all of us to come to his table. And can I tell you something about this table? It's a beautiful table. You want to know why? Because hypocrites are invited to this table. Like you're, 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 you're willing to lay your, lay your performing and your acting down because Christ has done it all at this table. This table is a reminder that it's not about what you do, but it's what about he did. This table is a reminder of the body that was broken, the blood that was shed. And so when we come to his table, we are reminded to lay our burdens down. And then we just gaze (laughs) and we just thank God and we worship Jesus. And we recalibrate our wicked hearts that have a tendency to move into legalism and religiosity. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or if you're here today and you you hate religion without Jesus, you're in good company. I want to invite you to receive Jesus. Notice I didn't say work for Jesus. I said receive. It's free. He's bled and he's died and on the cross he took upon our sin and on the cross to those who believe, who trust in that story, he gives to us perfect righteousness. We don't have to earn it. Even if you feel like a failure in Christ, you've been given the righteousness, his righteousness. That's what this table is about. And so before we go out and think about all the things we have to do, I got to pray this week and I got to go to church next week and Philip said I got to go to small groups, right? Right? <laughs> all these do all these things are works dead works if they're not done first motivated by love and so we before we send you out we invite you to receive the table so that whatever you do you can dip it in the motivation of love amen so with every head bowed I just want to pray if there's anyone in this room that feels far from God, that feels hurt by religion, I want you to look to Jesus. And it's really simple. Would you just put your faith in him? Would you just say, you know what? Like, I believe that Jesus Christ lived. He lived and walked a perfect life. I believe that he's God. I believe that on the cross he died a criminal's death, though he was innocent. And he did it for me. He took my place. Not so that I can act and pretend and perform and play church, but so I could truly be in love with him. That's you. You just, what, what must I do to be saved? Repent and believe. Just believe the good news of the gospel. Admit you're a sinner and believe that he is Lord. And if that's you, if you've said that prayer and you mean it in your heart, I want to invite you. You don't have to be a member of this church to come forward and grab the elements. Please take the cup and the bread, and then we will take these elements together before we dismiss. 
Again, thank you so much for tuning in today. Our prayer and hope is that you would be transformed by God's word and live for him. Before you go, would you consider giving a gift today? By faith, we are walking into the new year and continuing to believe in what God is doing in the city through our missional communities and mercy ministries. Visit us at inspiredchurches.com to give a gift and let's see together the great things God will continue to do in the new year.